0: Hello, welcome everyone to your own house where we are invading your house and having church. Uh, my name is Pastor Sean here at White Flag Calvary and happy Easter, happy Resurrection someday, Sunday. Some people even call it uh, Christian Hip Hop Day. Anyway, it's great to see you today. I'm so happy that you've taken a moment out of your day to... Uh, seek the Lord to hear His word uh, to connect with him, because uh, that is what today is all about um, so let's let's start out with prayer, uh, giving some time to the Lord, just uh, quieting our heart and our soul, and letting uh, the Holy Spirit just know that he's in control and and letting our own heart know that uh, Jesus is definitely welcome in our lives today. So, would you join me to pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your great love. We ask that you would forgive us. Uh, Lord, we have sinned a lot. We know that we have. We have had wrong attitudes, wrong desires, and we have done wrong things. And uh, Father, it is just so wonderful to know that you will forgive us, that you desire to forgive us. All because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Giving his life as a substitute to be punished for our sins so that you can freely offer us forgiveness and so much more. Jesus, I pray for every person that hears my voice right now, no matter how they're listening. uh, Lord, that you would give them confidence In your promises. We don't have anything if we don't have your promises. We know that this life is short. That it will soon be past, And our relationship with you is truly the only thing that matters. The most important thing. And I pray that from the bottom of our hearts we would desire you. And we would want you. That we want to serve you. To know you. To honor you as our God, because you are worthy of it. You're so good. You're so uh, wonderful, kind, and gracious. Lord, you, you look upon those in need, and, and you want to supply for them. You want to give them your love and grace and, and help them. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would look upon us, that you would teach us, open our our, our eyes to see what your word would say to us today as we let our, our hearts and our minds just meditate and think on your resurrection and what that means. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, everybody. We are going to be in the book of John today. We're taking a break from our verse-by-verse study through the book of Mark. We'll get right back to that next week, so stay tuned for that. But today, we are going to study um, about, obviously, the resurrection, since that is what we are celebrating today, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead uh, 1987-ish years ago, Uh, so we're going to um, we're going to dive into that, but a lot of times, um, pastors will focus on the historical act, aspect of it, that it, that it happened. Um, we're not going to do that today. I am just going to tell you it happened. And if you want to check that out, there's thousands of resources that will help you to be confident and sure historically that it is truth. Um, and then s- sometimes we preach on, um, what it means for us that, that, that Jesus rose from the dead, or from our perspective, or maybe from Mary Magdalene's perspective, or from Peter's perspective, or from Paul's perspective. And those are great, too, and we're going to have a little bit of that. But today, we're really going to focus and drill down on what the resurrection means from God's perspective. Why did He do it? Why did He do it that way? What's the reason? And what does it mean? Uh, for God. Why why was it God's desire to uh, do this resurrection thing? So we're going to start in John chapter 12, verse 24. John chapter 12, verse 24. Let me just set the stage for you. A bunch of Greeks have come and they desired to talk to Jesus. They wanted to know Jesus. They wanted to be his followers, okay? and uh for the Jews that was just unacceptable but Jesus had a different opinion he loved all the people of the world and um but he knew that that their desire to come and and follow him and be with him they they knew they would have to become Jews and that was a very difficult thing for them to accomplish and even then uh that that wasn't really getting it done as follow as far as being his disciples being his followers and so jesus has in his heart and in his mind a new thing that he wants to do so these greeks come in and ask this question hey we want to know you we want to be part and 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 this is what he says he says listen guys most assuredly i say to you unless a grain of wheat or seed falls into the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies, it produces much grain or fruit. so that's his response, and you might think that is a very strange response, and maybe, but Jesus says uh, these parables, these stories to get a point across uh, to his audience. So what is Jesus talking about right here? He says, "I say to you, there's a truth that you need to understand there's there's this principle that that exists in the world that says if a if a seed doesn 't die, do you just keep holding the seed it doesn 't do anything, but if the seed can die or metaphorically be planted in the ground right it can produce much more than just one seed it will produce a ton of Fruit, or in this story, more grain. Jesus is talking about his own death and his own resurrection. So, we're going to look at this desire Jesus has, this passion Jesus has to die and to rise again. Why would Jesus be so excited to die? and to rise again. Jesus wanted something so bad that he left heaven, he gave up all the comforts and everything that he had, he became poor, he became weak, and he even gave, paid his very life to obtain this thing. What did he want so badly? Well, from our text, it says that he didn't want to remain alone. He didn't want to remain alone. He wanted to reproduce, he wanted to multiply. God wanted children. And if you notice, this is kind of built into the entire vision of creation. Everything that we see from every plant, literally every plant is an illustration of this. Every plant that has a seed. Every living thing reproduces. And it does that because way back in the in the past, God had a dream, he had a vision to reproduce. Himself, to have children. And I'm not saying that we become equal with God, and that is not what God is saying, but we become His beloved children. Why do you think that God, the author of all life, would intrinsically install this dream in everything that lives, that everything reproduces, even viruses, they reproduce, It's his dream. It's his plan to reproduce his own life. To have children. Children that he would be able to pour out onto them his limitless love. Think about it. He wants to have children to love. He wants to pour out his love on us. That is the reason Jesus gives for why he had to die and to rise again from the dead. So that we could have the love of God poured onto us. We call this life reproduction in in a Christian, we call this bearing fruit. Did you see in our text, he says, if a grain dies, then it can produce much fruit. Well, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, that resurrection life, when it, when it starts to happen through us, is called bearing fruit. Whose fruit is it? It is not my fruit, but his fruit. It is not my own life being produced. It is his life. I am just the empty shell that his life grows in. And that is what the death and resurrection of Jesus is all about. Jesus is saying he needed to die so that and and rise again so that he could reproduce his life in us. Let me say that again. Jesus says he needed to die and rise again to reproduce his own life in us. Do you remember the things that that God said audibly to Jesus while he was on this earth? Several times God broke open heaven and said, you are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. That type of love and affection is truly what you and I want and at the deepest part of our desires, that is what we want—to hear God say how much He loves us and that He approves of us. But we all fall short of that. So Jesus died and rose again, so that we can experience that situation or that uh, blessing—to know that we are uh, that God does love us, that we do please Him, that we are right with Him. So we're going to fast forward two chapters to John chapter 15, and we're going to look at a couple verses right there. Um, Jesus, remember, we're talking about the seed that died, and then through resurrection, Jesus is able to reproduce his own life in us. And we see this. And now in John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. Verse 1. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So I want you to see right there just how important it is to bear fruit, to have this life, this reproduced Jesus life living through you. This vision or this plan of God, he says, it's if there's no fruit, there's no life of Jesus in you. This is very important, very needed for us to understand. Jesus died and gave his life to you and so that he could be seen in you. And if you don't have any of the love of Christ in your life growing in you, he says you are in a bad situation. You will be cut off or removed. And that is scary. That is scary. Okay, but here's the question. What can you do to produce the life of Jesus in your own life? And the answer is nothing. It's not up to you. This is a work of God. You, all you have to do is agree with him, allow him by faith To live in you, invite him to live in you, surrender and submit. Those are things not that we do, but it's an attitude of our heart that allows God to live in us. And if you find, if you look in your life in the mirror and you say, wow, I'm a big fat jerk and I never have what Jesus has um, coming out of me. That is so important for you to recognize and grieve and. And say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, I'm the problem, and I want you to be the solution. Come into my life. Live in me. Live through me. And Jesus' response will be, yes, child, I will. I want to do that. Um, Okay, so it's not up to you. Now it continues. It says, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that that it may bear even more fruit. Okay, so this vision, this plan of Jesus to produce his own life in us. He says, if you're not in it, if it's not happening to you, you got big problems. And and if if you are bearing fruit, get ready, because it's so important to God that you bear this fruit, that you have his life coming out of you, that he is on a constant mission to make you more fruitful. And he calls it pruning. And, and what that is, is when you cut the parts that aren't quite as fruitful as they could be off of a, off of a, a plant. And, and they grow back stronger and they produce more fruit when, when they are pruned. But pruning is not comfortable and it's not easy. God is so committed to this vision of producing Jesus in you that he's willing to allow pain in your life so that this can be a reality because he knows pain is not the enemy but pain can be used by God to produce the life of Jesus more easily more quickly more thoroughly in your life even though you're his beloved child he is willing to cause you pain, and every parent knows what I'm talking about. There are times when your beloved children need pruning; they need to grow. They need to they need something difficult uh, to grow, and so that they can be more fruitful. And Jesus, God does it so that we can have more of the life of Jesus in us, more of His love, more of His. Peace, more of his patience, more of his kindness, all the different fruits of the Spirit. He is doing that in us. It goes on and it says here, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's saying, this isn't about being forgiven. That was, that was Friday. Okay? We, we, we focused on that on Friday when, we can, when Jesus died on the cross. But the resurrection Sunday is about bearing fruit or living the victorious Christian life. We start our relationship with God on Friday. We have to know that we've been forgiven of our sins. But we grow in our Christian life on Sunday the day of resurrection, the day of new life, the life of Jesus being planted in us and growing up inside us. Jesus is the only one that could forgive our sins, right? Nobody else died for me on Friday. And also, Jesus is the only one that could ever bring his life to live in us. The resurrection Life where there was death. My life on its own only produces death, but through Christ, he produces life in me. And he gives one key word in this text that that you just have to lock in on and know this key word, and the key word is abide. Abide. That's what it is. He goes on and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides... In me and I in him. So there's the description of the relationship that we're talking about here. This is not religion. This is not religion. This isn't go to church and say 10 Hail Marys and and do things that that are religious. This is a relationship. Jesus says, If you abide in me and I abide in you. You will bear much fruit. So this relationship has a result, and the result is bearing much fruit, which we've already seen is just the life of Jesus being grown up inside us and overflowing out of our mouths, out of our actions, out of our thoughts, everything. I in him and he and me, that's relationship. That's an abiding relationship. Bears much fruit, so there's the result. And then he gives here this crazy warning. For without me you can do nothing. This Jesus draws the line in the sand. He it can only be Jesus who produces this life in us. And he look he promises to produce much fruit. He says, You will bear much fruit. It's not even he's gonna you're gonna bear a little, he's like, you're gonna bear much fruit. Talk about hope. We have so much hope through Jesus because he has promised us, do it my way and you will be very fruitful. Do it my way. What's your way, Jesus? Do I pray more, read the Bible more? Well, that's not my way technically. Those are good things and those can help in getting you in my way. But my way specifically is abiding. And see, you can fake prayer and you can fake reading the Bible, but you cannot fake an abiding relationship with Jesus. We're going to look a little bit more at that. Jesus gives us a complete hope for a real, sustained life. The life that He wanted us to have at the beginning of creation, but we threw away. He gives us that hope. Then He gives us another promise, this warning, that says we can never experience this life on our own or in our flesh. You cannot earn this life. You cannot do anything to gain this life. You can't. That is the warning. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. It must be a free gift. It must be. And I love that because it is easy to receive gifts. My kids still love receiving gifts. We're going to give them some, some Easter gifts right after this church service. And they love it. I love getting gifts. I'm sure everybody loves getting gifts because getting gifts is easy. So this way of God is easy. But there is a difficult part to it. And the difficult part is that it is hard for us to let go of our pride. That is the most difficult part about following Jesus. Pride is always tied to deserving and earning. And as we have grown up in America, we have heard this message time after time. The harder you work, the more you gain. And, And there's a part of life where that is true. But when it comes to God, it is not True. Pride is always tied to deserving and earning, but the problem is we can never deserve anything from God. His standards are too high. We could never earn anything from God because what we do is always not good enough. Have you read the Ten Commandments? Yeah. We don't do those very well at all. And so everything we do is already marred. It's already messed up. But humility is is, is always connected with knowing that we can't earn it. And so this is how a relationship with God works. This is how God's way works. And this is what this promise is about. You can never do anything apart from me. If you think you can do it apart from me, you're, you're in for, for a sad awakening. But humility says, oh, I know I can't do anything. I am a jerk. I am messed up. And I know I cannot do anything good. In my flesh dwells no good thing. When I try to live without Jesus, that's the reality that I discover. In my flesh dwells no good thing. But when I fall on my knees and say, Jesus, help me, I find access to all of his grace, all of his love and everything that he's he's wanted to give me. He's just pouring out his love on me. It's hard for us to let go of our pride. But humility is like a child. We expect our Father to supply what we need. I need food. Father, give it to me. I need love. I'm going to go hop up in your lap. Father, it's, it's this type of idea. And that's what God wants. Children. That He can pour His love out onto. Why are we so eager to grow up? You know, maybe Peter Pan had it right this whole time. I don't want to grow up. Toys R Us commercial just flashed through my head. Um, God, our Father, wanted and wants children who will humbly depend on Him. Expect Him to supply at no cost to me everything that I need. Supplying all that I need. But that comes with this full, total surrender to His will. I don't have my own plans. My father is running the business. I just serve him. That's the the, the attitude that we have to approach God with. Humility says, He gives me everything, but also His plans are all that matter to me. It's all about His plans for the day. His plans for my life, not about what I want. So what does this all have to do with the resurrection? Well, Jesus rose from the dead so that we can be connected with him, so that we can abide in the resurrection. Remember I said that word abide was so key. It means to remain or to be connected with him perfectly, with no disconnect. All we bring is simple faith humble faith, and Jesus is able to take care of everything else. That is literally what the resurrection is all about. We are in him, with Him. We are free. We are freely given everything God has planned to give us. So what does God want to give His children? Why is the resurrection so key to that? Well, God wants to give all of His joy all of his love, and implant in in us all of his character, reproduce people who are like him in you. He, He wants to do that in you. He wants to plant in you the value that he sees in you, that he would give his own son for you, that you would have that kind of value and know that you are that loved. He wants to heal you. Literally, Jesus healed every person that came to him. He single-handedly wiped out sickness in Israel during that time period. There was nobody else sick. He did it all. He healed everybody. But more, most importantly, he gives us this freedom from the life-dominating power of sin in our lives. That we, that we used to be slaves to what we wanted to do. And now we are slaves to His will. It's a change of heart that can only happen because of the resurrection. This new life that Jesus experienced is the new life that is given to you when you say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, come. Abide in me. And I will abide in you. I'm going to finish up our text here in in John 15. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and, and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Another warning. Don't do it a different way. Abiding is the only way. Don't think that just by going to church or saying your prayers or reading your Bible or doing serving, doing any kind of serving, that you are what God wants you to be or doing what God wants you to do or you are abiding because of how much you're serving or because you work at a church. That is not abiding. It isn't. Abiding is faith and humility, period. He says, if you abide in me, he says you'll be unfruitful if you're you're not going to abide in me. It's going to be spiritually weak. It's not going to do anything of value. Then he says, "Um, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire and it shall be done to you, for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. This is what the Father wants, man. This is what glorifies God. is when we have such a, a childlike relationship with him, that we will come to him and ask him instead of asking other people. When we're feeling down, that we run to our father. That when we have a need, we go to our father. That when we see someone else has a need, we go to our father. And we expect that our father will give us what we ask. That type of simple faith is exactly what God wants. It makes him so happy when his child will depend on him. We think that God's excited when we're like, hey, I was able to do that without you. And God was like, no, that's not what I was asking you to do. I never asked you to do it without me. In fact, I'm asking you to do everything through me. To come to me and wait. I didn't ask you to do that. I asked you to wait. So, how do we measure if we are abiding in Jesus? We're, we got 30 seconds left. How do we measure if we are abiding with Jesus? Well, it's a relationship defined as humility and faith. So, do I have humility in my relationship with Jesus? That's a question that I'm going to leave you with. Do I have faith in my relationship with Jesus? You got to ponder these two questions. What does it mean to show humility? in my relationship with Jesus? Obviously, prayer would be a big part of that. But I really want you guys to take a few moments and to think, am I being humble with Jesus? Or or do I live more like, I got it all figured out and Jesus, I don't need you. Because that's how a lot of us live the majority of our days. Is that, like, we could have it or take it or leave it or, you know, that's what I do on Sundays and maybe sometimes during the week. Jesus is saying, I got one way. And if you don't abide, it's not going to work out for you. Abide. Humility says, yeah, I need that. Faith says, okay, I'm going to trust you. You say abiding, you say ask, I'm going to do it. I'm going to abide, I'm going to ask, I'm going to put my trust in you alone. Not in myself, not in my own plans, not in my church's plans, not in my family's plans. I'm going to trust in you. That is the measure of a relationship with God. These two relational realities of humility and faith are what it's all about. So we're going to wrap it up. We're going to let you guys get back to your families. Parents, shower love on your children. Children, shower love back to your parents. Um, This is a wonderfully fruitful time uh, where we can spend time together as families. Uh, So I've stopped asking how long we're going to be in quarantine and I've started just enjoying and taking each day to spend as much time as I can uh, with my boys. Uh, So let us pray that God takes this message that he loves us so much. He wants to reproduce Jesus in us. And let's, let's, uh, let's let it just sink down into our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we love you, but not as much as you love us. You loved us first. You gave us your life. You gave, you gave your life on, on Friday, Good Friday, where you poured out uh, your, your wrath upon Jesus. And Jesus, he offered himself for, to buy our forgiveness. We thank you for that. We worship you. We know that we've sinned so much and, and we could be nothing without that forgiveness. But on top of that, you have this great uh, incessant desire to reproduce your own life in us. And this is unbelievable. This does not even make sense why you would choose such broken people and broken vessels to be uh, Uh, the bearers of this light, to to have this treasure hidden inside them. And Lord, we do not deserve it, but by faith we receive and and rejoice that you would choose us to be your people, that you would choose us to be the tabernacle that you dwell in, the tent that you live in, the house that you reside in. Lord, all these things we give to you, we, we thank you for. We are blown away. We are humbled because we do not deserve any of it. But Jesus, we rejoice and our eyes are fixed on you. Help us to abide in you. Teach us what it means to be humble before you. Teach us what it means to put our trust in you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.